We'll begin this morning by looking in the book of Matthew, chapter 3. We'll read the first two verses. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This morning we'll be considering one of the Bible doctrines in God's Word. That is the doctrine of repentance. You see here, these are the words of John the Baptist that I just read. He was the forerunner of Christ, came to pave the way for Jesus. And the message he preached was one of repentance. In the very next chapter, you read the account of Jesus as he was in the wilderness being tempted of the devil for 40 days. And as he overcame those temptations and emerged out of the wilderness, he began his public Ministry, and you'll read the first recorded words of Christ after that time in the wilderness. He says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You also read in the book of Luke, Jesus' own words, he says, Repent ye, likewise you'll all perish, and yet unless ye repent. And if you turn to the book of Acts, you'll see the apostle Peter. Preaching a message, he says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. As you read the rest of that account, after Peter preached that message and the people that heard responded in repentance, over 5,000 souls were saved that day. The Old Testament, many references speak about the need of repentance. Deuteronomy and Ezekiel and Jeremiah all speak of that need of repentance. It is a very vital Bible doctrine. What is genuine repentance? There's a lot of people that may make a profession, but it's good to understand what genuine repentance really is. You know, it's more than just belief or confession. There are those that will confess their sins to a person or a priest every week and will go back and continue in their sins. It's more than just confessing. It's more than just believing. The Bible says the devils believe and tremble. You know, a person could believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Many do, and yet that isn't repentance. Genuine repentance is a turning away. Ezekiel 14, verse 6 says, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent, and turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. So we see it is a turning away from something. It's a turning away from that old life of sin. You know, when you turn away from something, you have to turn to something else. Repentance isn't trading in one habit or addiction for another one. It's turning away from unrighteousness and sin. Repentance is forsaking. That word means to give up or leave entirely. Isaiah 55 verse 7 says, let the, fors- let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. So again, it says, we see this uh, turning away or forsaking of his old sins. You know, when I think of repentance, I I'm always reminded of my Grandpa Marvin's testimony, and I, I shared it before, but really it kind of encapsulates this whole 
a thing about repentance. He told about a time when he was just a young man and he was living on a farm in Mississippi and making it okay on his own. Felt like he could pretty much handle things all on his own. Didn't really see his need of the Lord, but he said around that time they dropped the bomb on Pearl Harbor. This was during World War II. And he said he became very frightened. He said he knew that there were men his age that were being drafted into the service of their country and giving their lives. And he wasn't afraid of serving his country, but the thought of dying terrified him. And he knew why, because he knew in his heart he wasn't right with the Lord. So he said this went on for a while and he would talk to the Lord. He was, as he was out there working on the farm and said, finally, one day God just spoke to him. I don't know if that wasn't an audible voice or he spoke to his heart, but he spoke in a way that uh, my grandpa recognized. It was the voice of the Lord. He said, God just asked him a question. He said, what are you going to do about those old sins? And he said, at that moment, he just told the Lord, he said, Lord, I'll quit him. I'll forsake him. and I won't do him anymore. He said, in that moment, the peace of heaven dropped down in his heart and the Lord saved him. Uh, that's a perfect picture of repentance. Turning away, quitting those things, forsaking those things, and by God's help, we don't return to that old life of sin. Genuine repentance is changing of one's mind and desires towards God. Our hearts are engaged, but it also uh, involves our minds. Psalms 48 says, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, the law is within my heart. So this gives us an idea of what true repentance is. Sometimes people will mistake repentance for remorse. They're two different things. You know, remorse is regret over the way things are. Maybe regret over uh, consequences for poor decisions and bad choices. And many people have ruined their lives with sin and all kinds of disobedience and rebellion against the Lord. They're miserable. They have much remorse and they regret the way things have turned out. But you know, repentance allows that individual to take responsibility for the way things are. I know people face things, circumstances beyond their control. Sometimes people are, truly are victims, but how many times is it because of a choice, uh, bad choices and uh, turning against the Lord? And, and sure, it leads to all kinds of remorse, but yet people don't want to take responsibility for their actions that got them there in the first place. Repentance allows the individual to accept responsibility for those actions. Remorse can often mean being sorry that you got caught. You know, prisons are full of people that are sorry. They're sorry that they got caught. They're sorry that their sins found them out and they're paying the price. They're paying the consequences for those choices. But you know, repentance deals with the actions. Repentance, godly sorrow, it says it weeps because of sin, not because of the consequences of sin or of being caught. Repentance allows an individual, you know, there's sins in people's lives that are all covered up. Nobody even knows or realizes those things, but repentance causes that person to realize even those things that they think are so covered up, they've offended a righteous, holy God, and it leads them to that godly sorrow, that realization that it's their sin that has separated them from the Lord. You know, remorse can sometimes bring about 
temporal changes. You know, people can feel bad enough about things sometimes that they may be willing to try something new. They go through rehab or they try different things, maybe counseling and might bring a temporary relief and sometimes it will deal with their actions. But you know, repentance brings permanent changes because it deals with the heart, deals with the source of those problems. Again, the Word of God says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Brand new creatures don't go back to doing the same old things. And repentance will bring about that change in a person's life. Most importantly of all, the difference between remorse and repentance really is a matter of life and death. We can read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. You know, worldly sorrow, someone said it's the weeping of self-pity. Maybe the regret over material losses, sorrow that our sins have been found out. You know, that kind of sorrow just leads to more heartache and remorse. Often that's what drives people from one habit to another, trying to drown out that pain. But that's the worldly sorrow that leads to death. I thought of Brother Joel Wright's testimony. This is a man whose life was completely destroyed by alcohol. He had began drinking, and pretty soon he couldn't control it. It ended up causing his family to split up there. He said he abandoned his wife and kids, walked away from a good, well-paying job with benefits, threw it all overboard, spent the next several years on Skid Row from one town to the next. He said it got so bad he would sell his own clothes or donate his own blood just to get enough money to buy liquor. Completely bound. He had some remorse. He had some regrets. And one time he tried to reconcile with his wife. She didn't want anything to do with them. He said one day he said he found himself listening to a church, a street service, and he heard about people standing up and telling about how God had delivered him from that very same life and said conviction settled in. He followed them down to the mission and he knelt there after the service and he began to pray and said he didn't get, didn't get saved that night, but he went to his apartment there or his motel and he continued to pray and said this went on for some time. He said finally, he said the Lord showed me I had done more than hurt my wife and children in society. He showed me that I had hurt him. He said, when I had godly sorrow for what I had done, the Lord came down and saved my sins, and I knew it. So he had to get beyond that point of just feeling sorry and remorseful for the mess his life had become. He had to realize his sins offended a righteous, holy God. And when he got to that point where he was had that godly sorrow for sin, he repented, and the Lord saved him, changed him completely. We see the importance of repentance. Of course, we know the Word of God lets us know that's the starting point in the gospel. Every true conversion begins with repentance. You know, there's a lot of evangelists and preachers that will tell people, just accept Christ, just believe in Christ, and everything's good. Well, those things certainly are important. The Bible tells us about the importance of doing those things, but you know, without genuine repentance, those things don't do us any good at all. It must begin with that godly 
sorrow for sin. John 3.3, Jesus talking to Nicodemus, he said, except the man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of heaven. And we know repentance is that very thing that will lead to that born again experience. God's word also lets us know without genuine repentance, we will perish. Again, Jesus in Luke 13, he says, unless ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. It's the only way to escape eternal death. Second Peter 3.9 says that the Lord is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we see the importance, the vital importance of genuine repentance. Sadly, so often that is skipped over altogether. You know, if you skip repentance, you short-circuit God's whole plan of salvation. Repentance is where it all begins for every Christian. Repentance, the Bible tells us, is a gift from God. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it lets us know it's because of His riches and His goodness, His forbearance and long-suffering that leads to repentance. You know, a person can't just repent at any old time. They feel like it. Some people may tell themselves, well, I'm going to enjoy the pleasures of sin. I'm going to do whatever I want. And maybe when I'm old and infirm or on my deathbed, then I'll somehow give my life to the Lord. That is foolish. That is presumptuous. That is not what the Lord would have us to do. When God speaks to our hearts, we must respond through genuine repentance. It's the Spirit of the Lord that draws a person to that place in the first place. We can't even repent on our own unless God's Spirit draws us. The Word of God says, my spirit won't always strive with man. So, so important if the Lord is dealing with your heart this morning, you want to respond. You know, it's been said you can't repent too soon because you don't know how soon it may be too late. You do not want to put off God's call to repentance. It's so important. What are some signs of genuine repentance? We know many may claim to be born again. There's a lot of professions out there, but what are some signs of true, genuine repentance? Matthew 3.8 instructs us. It says, Bring forth, therefore, fruit meat for repentance. You know, one of those signs of genuine repentance is restitution. That's another Bible doctrine we'll get into a little more depth, but it's that desire to make past wrongs right. That is a natural Response or indication, you might say, of genuine repentance. Think about Zacchaeus, the account there. Uh, when he was up in a tree and the Lord called him, and as he was coming down that tree, I, I know he was doing some soul searching, and when he hit the ground there, he began to confess all kinds of things to the Lord, and he said, Lord, if I've taken anything by uh, false means, I'll restore it four times. He said, I'll give half of my goods to feed the poor. You know, he wasn't just paying lip service. Jesus said, this day salvation has come to this man's heart. It was a genuine fruit of repentance. You know, if you were driving a stolen car before you got saved, you shouldn't be driving that car after you're saved. What if you pulled up in the church parking lot and that car belonged to one of the saints? What would they think? What would they expect? They would expect you to make it right. And that is part of genuine repentance. We make restitution as much as possible for the things that uh, we've done wrong in the past. We go back and we straighten up those things. 
Genuine repentance is responsibility for one's own actions. You know what? That eliminates the blame game. You think about Adam and Eve clear back there in the Garden of Eden when they disobeyed and they fell and God said, what have you done? And what did they do? The first thing Adam did is he tried to blame his wife, tried to blame the Lord that he gave her this wife in the first place. She tried to blame the serpent. They didn't take personal responsibility. Repentance is saying, it's me. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the prayer. I own this sin. I own this disobedience. Lord, forgive me. It's not blaming others. It's accepting personal responsibility. You see that again in that account of the son, uh, the prodigal son. So when he came to himself, he said, I'm going to go back to my father and say, Father, I have sinned before heaven and before thee. He wasn't blaming anybody else. He owned his sin, and that was the first pathway back towards repentance. You know, repentance, genuine repentance. The individual will take active steps towards changing. A person that is truly repentant, they will try to understand what caused them to fail in the first place. They'll recognize those areas of weakness or vulnerability, and they'll do everything they can and never go down that road again. The Bible says to flee temptation, to resist the devil. People that are repentant will take those active steps towards changing, forsaking those things that are behind them. Repentance is accompanied by humility. You know, genuine repentance doesn't make any demands. You know, when a person is truly repented and they make their way back to the Lord, they're willing to accept new limitations if that's necessary. Again, we see that in the attitude of this prodigal son. He said, Father, I'm not even worthy to be called thy son. Just make me one of thy hired servants. That's a great prayer to pray when you're approaching the Lord. You can't have any greater privilege than being one of the Lord's servants. But we see this man, he came back in humility, left demanding, hey, give me what's mine. He had this entitlement mentality when he left. But when he got to that place of repentance, he didn't feel worthy to even be called this man's son. And that's how people that are truly repentant, they, turn, they approach the Lord with that humility. They're willing to accept new limitations if that's necessary. The Bible tells us that the Lord is nigh to those who are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. You know the beautiful thing about that account of the prodigal son is it gives us a perspective of what repentance looks like from the vantage point of the father. We know repentance brings mercy and pardon. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. You see, as that young man came to himself and he realized that he had sinned against his father, as he began to make his way back to home there, the father was looking for his son. The father was looking for that one single act of turning around. And as soon as that son showed that spirit of repentance, it says the father ran out there and he fell upon him and greeted him, kissed him on the neck, welcomed him back into the family. That's how the Lord looks at repentance. 
Genuine repentance, the Lord will never, ever turn away somebody who approaches Him with that kind of an attitude. We know repentance brings restoration and reconciliation. Again, we see that in that account. Uh, That relationship that was severed between that father and that son when he chose to leave, the strain that was placed there upon that relationship, those things were completely restored when that man came back with an attitude of repentance. You know, the same thing is possible today. You know, I thought of that restoration and, and reconciliation that's part of repentance. You know, the Lord promises to do that on a corporate level. If you read in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That wasn't a promise just to the nation of Israel. I believe that promise is good to every group. Imagine what would happen in this country if people fell on their knees and turned to the Lord and repented, confessed their sins. Imagine what God could do in this very nation. It's a wonderful promise, but you know we need to experience it on a personal level. We know repentance brings revival. That's the best part about it of all. It says, as this man in that account came back to the Father, the Father said, "This for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. You know what? Revival means literally to bring back to life. That's what happened for that young man when he was truly willing to repent. Uh, the father said, my son is dead. He's alive again. You know, the same thing can be true for you spiritually. If you're dead in your trespasses and your sins, you can come with a heart of repentance. God can make you alive today, fully alive. It's a wonderful promise. You know, sometimes even as Christians, there may be need of some repentance in our lives. Sometimes maybe we may allow some things to come into our lives or maybe we get complacent. Uh, maybe we've responded in a way that we wish we hadn't. These kinds of things, the Spirit of the Lord is faithful to show us those things. And the best thing we can do is just say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, help me. God will do that. God will bless you today. Whatever you need, come to the Lord. But I would encourage you, if you need to be saved, begin by taking that first step toward repentance. The Lord will meet you where you are today. Let's sing 489. These altars are open.